estate agent or investor wholesaler ever come across a property where the the owner really wasn't the owner. It was a uh, maybe they're an heir or they're getting ready to inherit a property, but they wanted to sell it but couldn't because of the title issue. Needed to maybe start a probate, didn't know what to do, and didn't have the money to do it. Well, today we're going to talk about probate advances, which is a way to get cash, a part of the inheritance ahead of time, and use that money to um, uh, secure the property or secure the right legal advice or do what needs to be done to put you or your client in the best position to get the best outcome. And we're going to have an expert in that topic that I've worked with as recently as today on the subject. So I'm Bill Gross. Welcome to Probate Weekly. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. It's live streamed on YouTube and Facebook. You can subscribe there. If you're watching it there, please like it or subscribe if you want to get notifications regularly. You know what to do there. Hit that bell. But um, otherwise, if you want to participate, and it's meant to be live, um, feel free to register at probateweekly.com and that way you can come into the Zoom call. We'd love those of you on the call to participate by asking questions, raising your hands. We'd love for you to put your info in the chat box so we can network. We're always looking for more professionals in other states because we want to build this into a team of referrals. We're helping each other and um, supporting our business. So if you're new, welcome. We do this every week on Thursdays at 4 o'clock, and we're creating a movement of people who are building their businesses with investors, wholesalers, or realtors in probate real estate. If you're turning, thank you for your support. I really appreciate you. We Again, we're here. We have free resources. You can participate. Uh, in our Facebook group, Probate Experts is a free pro, uh, probate uh, group where we people post requests for referrals all the time, attorneys, estate planning attorneys, probate attorneys, looking for real estate agents as well. Love to have participate there. And then our YouTube channel, uh, Bill Gross EXP is the YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash Bill Gross EXP. And we have all of our episodes of this show at episodes.probateweekly.com. Love to have you participate in that. And today is special because we're going to talk to not just about the concept of probate advances, but we're going to talk to actually um, a, an expert in the field, a professional in the field, uh, who actually does this uh, and has done it for a while, done it successfully, and, and done it for me and my clients and for my for team members of you that are on the call. Um, I have on the call Mr. Paul Wilkins. Paul, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us again today. Great, Bill. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate and, it. And Paul is a repeat, a repeat guest from Approved Inheritance Cash. And it's not true that we have him on just because he's a pretty face, his eye candy to get better attendance. We really have him on because he's an expert in this field and knowledgeable. In fact, I believe you wrote a, a book on the subject, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, it's called Probate for Real Estate Investors. And if you're interested, let me know. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. And so, Paul, your your uh, nine to five, your your daily business is um, helping heirs and uh, executors advance a portion of their probate. Explain a little bit about what you do and how you do it. Okay, I, I've had a really interesting case I was working on earlier today. I'll I'll bring that up, but typically, someone, usually an administrator or an heir, will need some money during the probate process. And we will advance them some of the money they're going to receive. There's, it's an advance, functions like a loan, but it technically isn't a loan. And at the end of probate, when the funds are distributed, they get their share minus whatever's owed to us. So that's what we do. So it sounds simple enough, right? So somebody, uh, I imagine what I've seen, a simple, uh, uh, common example 
Um, somebody has coming maybe a $500,000, $600,000 property. It's free and clear, uh, but they can't do anything with it, right? Because they don't own it yet. It has to go through probate, correct? Correct. And so they have the authority. And so instead of waiting uh, to get their five or $600,000 a year, a year and a half later or longer, uh, what's a typical, is there a minimum amount for advances? And what's, what's the most common case? We tell people 5,000 is typically a minimum, but I'll go lower than that if A, they, they have less money coming or they need less. There's no reason to shove money down your throat. We're, we're here to help rather than, you know, make X amount of money on a particular client. So um, I, I made that adjustment years ago and I'm glad I did because many people don't necessarily need large sums you know, they just need enough money to fix their, their car or to you know, move or whatever. And it doesn't necessarily require a large sums. Commonly, they need to move out, so they have to get first and last months and some expenses to get out of the property. And that way they can put the property up for sale and get it sold for you. Right. So, and, and I have to tell you, for those who are watching, I, I met Paul um, in the courthouse uh, and when we chatted, it was obvious to me that what he said is true, that they really are looking to help people. It's true. Like me, he gets paid helping people. He showed me his book. I, I, I think I bought a copy or gave me a copy. Um, Probate for Real Estate Investors, Three Ways of Financial, Three Ways of Financial Success. The Paul Wilkins available on Amazon and Kindle or paperback version. I think you gave me a copy or maybe I bought it on the spot from something. But anyhow, no, I, I gave you one. I think you did. I think you signed it. I still have it in, in my uh, in my library. So, um, so let's talk about let's first talk about the uh, probate advance side or stay on that topic a little bit. So, there are different companies um, in in this industry. Like every business is somewhat competitive. How do you generally get customers besides people like me calling you? Is it mostly from real estate agents? Is it attorneys that like me know you? How is the business comes to you most commonly? Most commonly, it's through direct mail, believe it or not, the old, the old fashioned way, you know, and uh, a lot of the, the clients, believe, believe it or not, a lot of them don't have smartphones, they, they aren't internet savvy. And so a lot of it's just generated the old way, but, you know, I appreciate people like you, attorneys, you know, that I, I know uh, that we can, they can rely on us and want to get the job done. And we do so. And so um, direct mail, you work with some attorneys, you have referrals from us and people call you. And I know when I call, typically you answer, now if I have the bat phone or is that how it typically works? Uh, I'm on the bat phone. Uh-huh. Is that what you said, right? The bad phone? Well, I mean, I, I, again, I don't, I don't want to get you overworked here, but we have on the call 45 people and about another couple hundred will watch it on YouTube. So if people have questions, should they be calling you? They call the oh, absolutely. I'm happy to. You know, I'm saying, I, had I several... call and you pick up the phone. So I always wonder what I do wrong and did I call the wrong line or something? No. Um, you also underwrite it and oversee the financing and such? Yes. That's fun. I enjoy it. I had black hair when I started. So. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> Me too. Um, okay, so um, what when you um, 
when you uh, advance, so let's say somebody gets a postcard from you or a mailer from you and they go, wow, I can advance money. Or somebody on the call here has a client that needs money, maybe to get an attorney, pay the fees ahead of time, or, or a portion of it, or they need money for whatever personal needs and they decide they want to explore working with you uh, and they contact you. Um, uh, you don't charge cash up front for your service, correct? It's Correct. No, it's we, we get paid at the end. And just like good probate attorneys, they, they, they can't charge up front. So, you know, by statute, they get paid. They should get paid at the end of, of the estate. But so sometimes, what, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, as, as part of the um, law, I've come to learn, requires filing with the court that you have this advance, that that's part of the process. Correct. Um, and so the question, one of the questions we have is, is there a fee for the filing of an assignment of interest? Or is that is that what you do? That's part of your paperwork and you get that filed? That's part of the paperwork that, you know, it's built into the cost of the transaction. So the customer doesn't have to come up with additional filing fees or whatever. We so charge literally- a flat rate and, and, you know, get paid on that basis. So typically it's a fat, flat rate where they're going to get X, let's say $5,000 and they're going to pay back X plus Y, whatever that number is. And that includes all, all the costs and fees. They don't pay anything up front or out of pocket. Correct. So what's it, the, I know my experience recently with your firm and I can share it, but rather than me talk about it, let's have the professional does it for a living. Let's talk about the typical experience. So somebody calls in your office, they talk to you, you maybe have to do some research, paperwork, you do some review and go, yeah, we'll go ahead and advance five, ten, twenty thousand dollars sounds good. What's the process from there? Do they have to come to your office or how is the process handled as far as paperwork? No, uh, quite a bit of our uh, transactions nowadays are based on uh, our DocuSigns. You know, so and and we can, you know, advance the money directly into their accounts via, you know, wire transfers, ACH or whatever. So it's very smooth. Some people, more old school, they, they like to come into the office and meet with us. And that's fine. I'm a notary. So, you know, they want to come in and sign papers here. That's perfectly acceptable. And you know. here's where, where's your office located? We're in Pasadena. Recently, I did one that was out of the area that wanted to sign papers, didn't want to do DocuSign. And so there you federal express the papers, right? Right. Now, this one transaction that you and I are working on right now, I, I had to resend the documents for miscellaneous reasons. They got torn up, but it just sent it FedEx this afternoon to the customer. Okay. You know, so he'll get them tomorrow and get them back to us FedEx. So, so one of the things, uh, and then are are you able to send documents to say a real estate agent to deliver uh, on your behalf, and are they able to? Maybe arrange for the notary as well to explain things. Is that are those possibilities? Absolutely, um, they can do it in their offices. A, a lot of attorneys, I will send the documents directly to the attorney's office because most of them have notaries or are notaries themselves, and then we can get the documents signed that way. And that's what I recommend. I think if you can now, sometimes it's out of the area, it doesn't make sense. But I, I always feel like either send them to me and I'll do it, or send them to my notary. And my notary will do it for us, or to the referring client if it's an attorney or. If, or an agent, you know, get involved. As long as you're giving the customer better service, I think at the end of the day, that's the yeah, key. right. Service is the key. You know, if we can handle this via DocuSign, that's fine. I, I recently, just earlier this week, I had a customer in El Salvador. Wow. 
and we took care of the documents via DocuSign. Wow, that's fantastic. So one of the, one of the benefits of, of COVID has been that people who wouldn't DocuSign three years ago, so many have agreed to it. It's just, and it's made business like this so much more efficient, just the process of paperwork. Tremendously. Yeah. You know, for, for your agents and brokers, when you're getting a listing signed or having contracts signed, it's just so wonderful to have that service available. Um, I got a question. Can I share my experience that I worked on today with the guest? So can we talk about that case or is it not appropriate or what, what, what can we talk about? The, your case or uh, yeah. another one? The one that we did, somebody's asking, can I share the experience I worked on with my case? Oh, sure. Okay. In, in this particular case, I won't mention names, but um, mom died, left the trust. And the trust said, you know, our, our mutual customer is a successor trustee. Uh, there might be a little blemish on it, so we will have to go to court for the judge to determine whether the trust is valid or not. If it's not valid, they'll have to go through probate. If it's valid, then the, the ruling will stick and we can proceed on the trust basis. So this client needed some money because they have an eviction. There's a, a non Ten, there's a, a tenant in the property and they need money for an eviction. So once the transaction's funded, we're going to send the money directly to the estate attorney who's handling the matter. And so here's a case where we don't know the answer, but you're able to fi finance, figure it out because either way it works out to the benefit of the estate. It works out and, and the customer. And this is a case where I think sometimes the, the business gets a bad name, but to me, this is where the business really creates value because Without this money, the customer is stuck with a property that can't sell. The neighbors are stuck with a property that can't be fixed. And the tenant who's not paying rent, generally a deadbeat. And by getting the money now, the customer can correct the title, whether it's a trust or not. Either way, they have legal now clear title. They can sell the property and in moves somebody who wants to live there and will make the house a nicer place to live in the neighborhood better, right? Yes, sir. And pay taxes to everybody. That's right. So that's what we do. So sometimes people say, well, if you give them $10,000 and it costs them 15 or 20, it's very expensive money. I would say maybe, but getting a $500,000 house that you otherwise can't get control of is also worth a lot of money. And, it's, and not sitting there for another year or two vacant, deteriorating is also a value. So good. So hey, for everybody on the call, <clears throat> feel free to put in your contact info. I see Frank Portillo put his in. Uh, I'm sorry, Fabio uh, Portillo put us in and, and uh, Rochelle. Feel, feel free to put your name, the area that you service, your contact info, and we would love to um, share information and share referrals, particularly out of state. Uh, make sure we know where you're at. I see Julie is from Georgia. Julie, what part of Georgia? From Atlanta or from Athens or another part of Georgia? Let me know. I have a team member in Atlanta. I'm sorry, in Athens. We're, we're literally looking for a referral for somebody to take a listing in. Um, in uh, Georgia. Oh, there we answered the question. We're in Oakland with a, oh no, that's Joan Simmons is in Oakland. Welcome to the call. Okay, so, uh, and if you have questions, raise your hand, put in the chat box. I'm going through the chat box right now. If you put in the hat of the lender or quasi lender, really important for, just for everybody listening, this is not a loan. Legal is not a loan. And I'm sure Paul's gonna tell you he doesn't want it to be thought of as a loan for, for compliance reasons, and it isn't. Um, uh, Paul, what happens if somebody gets an advance 
And even though you do your best to um, underwrite, it turns out they're not really the executor. Maybe there's another child out there that they didn't know about or some will pops up and changes the whole direction. The person who advanced the money thinking they're the executor will sell the house and pay it back, are they on the hook for the balance? These are typically non-recourse uh, transactions, and we do stipulate that it's non-recourse, absence of fraud or, uh, or misrepresentation. And it's rare, but I have had a few of those situations, and uh, we'll go knock on doors afterwards, you know, figuratively, and uh, ask for the money to be repaid. Right. Well, clearly, if it's fraud, if they're lying to you or misrepresenting, that everybody expects that person to pay back fully and be responsible. I think one of the things that I've gotten from attorneys is to say to me, "Well, I don't want them to advance money because, you know, they may not end up getting their money, or there might be other heirs objecting. They might lose it." And I say to them, "Tell me if I'm right." I say to them, "Well, that's not your concern. The advance company is the concern. They're underwriting that risk. As long as your customer is truthful, uh, it is non-recourse. And if for some reason they don't get the money," They don't have to pay it back as long as it's, you know, not fragile, as long as they've complied and they do all the things they need to do to, is that a fair assessment? Very fair assessment. And, and like I said, I, I've been doing this 26 years, so I think I have it down pretty well. Every now and then I'll, I'll make a boo-boo, but, you know, even Clayton Kershaw gives up home runs every now and then. So, you know, it happens, but not well, rare, but not very often. A few too many this past season, but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> so um, somebody asked if you're going to be, so Jim, when you ask a question, if you put the hat of the lender, I would say the advanced company or the underwriter. So you can put the hat of the advanced company. What regulations are you subject to? What disclaimers are you required to provide and what government oversight is involved? Interesting question. I, I've done a lot of research on the subject. Uh, Paul, do you want to, and you're welcome to pass any questions here. Paul, by the way, Paul's not being paid today. There's no fee for the service, so he's not like an entertainer in Vegas where he gets a big contract. So you're welcome <laughs> to pass if the question is uncomfortable. But what, what would you say regarding any regulations or disclaimers or government oversight is there for the probate advance industry? Uh, California Probate Code uh, allows this type of business to be uh, maintained, and we operate under the, that auspices. Uh, we, we don't require financial licenses, so forth. And uh, so we, we operate under explicit uh, instructions uh, provided by probate code. And likewise, if somebody wanted to maybe talk to you about being a salesperson for your service and, and jamming business for you, they don't need a particular license to do this business. They get to have somebody you work with and, and, and execute the job and all, but is there a particular license one needs in order to offer this to the public? Just real estate professional licensed real estate professionals are fine. Uh, attorneys aren't aren't required to be licensed, you know, for yeah. referrals this way. I will say uh, I've done a lot of research on this. I actually interviewed a a professor of law on the subject who wrote several law review articles and an article in uh, Consumer Reports, and he claimed there was no regulation because it's an advance. It's an advance of it's an assignment of the interest, uh, and and he was kind of advocating a little bit for it. I think at the end of the day, he passed on it. California has the strictest requirements in that they require the advance company to file the case. And theoretically, it gives the judge the right to say, well, that's not fair and invalidate it. It doesn't happen very often, 
Um, but that's a, always a possibility. The judge can always make whatever rules they want to. So, um, yeah, it's never happened to us. Uh, I do know, like for example, uh, years ago, I came across it the first time. It was in the local rules in San Diego County. But again, uh, we're competitive, um, even more so than than most of our competition. So we uh, have never been slapped on the wrist by the, a judge. It was also interesting. I did a lot of. I actually run a, a class. For if you're interested in learning how to do advanced work yourself in, in a generic business for Paul and Paul's company uh, and the industry in general, I have a class, uh, um, getprobate.cash.com. Get probate, I'm sorry, getprobate.cash.com. Getprobate.cash. Every Wednesday at 30 a.m., about 30 minutes. And I record it and put it on my YouTube channel. And I talk about and kind of an overview of how this product works. And I actually have a four week mastermind. My goal is to get other agents and other investors and wholesalers and attorneys to work together to generate more of this business. I think there's lots of opportunities where customers make decisions based on no cash that they had five, 10, $20,000. They could get a better decision. They could get a better attorney. They could uh, evict a tenant. That's a problem. They could secure property, pay, you know, avoid foreclosure. A lot of things they could do. Uh, they'd be cost effective, even for expensive money. And so if you're interested in that class, feel free to check out, getprobate.cash. Uh, every Wednesday we do it and then I record it on YouTube if you register for it. Um, question from Christopher. Uh, what happens if you have a successor trustee? Of course, now Paul works mostly in probate, I think. Um, uh, them to act. Let's say even a, let's say an executor. What can you do to force them to act? Let's say there's a property, you have an heir who wants to sell a property. Uh, what can be done to force them to take some action either close out the probate or to force a silver property. You ever gotten those cases? What can be done? Uh, it would have to be judicial essentially. Well, it, it, usually it would be the judge's decision to compel one of the parties to sell the property, <laughs> refinance, whatever. Um, occasionally, uh, I can probably count them on my 10 fingers and have a couple of fingers left over. We could uh, start a foreclosure, you know, if, if so warranted. But again, those cases are few and far between, but we have done it. And I haven't, I've never had to go to sale, but um, it, it depends on the circumstances. Is everybody's in agreement, you know, to sell the property and they just need six months? Fine. Here, here's your money. Take care of business and sell it when, when you're ready. You know, if somebody's going to take five years to do something, that's uh, not going to be acceptable. So we'll, we'll have a, a reserve idea. We'll have a bullpen pitcher warming up to do something. I like right. baseball. That's well, and that's where Paul, knowing other attorneys in the LA area, will will help get that moved along. The reality is, he gets paid back when the property is sold. The heir often won't get distributed until the probate closes. You have to sell the property, put the cash in the bank, file the paperwork to close up the probate, and then it gets done. And so it's not common that one or more heirs want to push the the executor because the executor's you know doing it on their own, or they don't know what they're doing, or things are taking longer than they should. And you want to force the issue. And so sometimes it's sold during probate 
and sometimes it, the probate will close, they'll transfer title. That's where it's a problem. You have multiple owners of a property. Um, it's, it's hard to sell your partial interest. So then you have to go back and get what's called a partition action. If you own half or more of a property, you can force the sale, but you can force it with attorney's fees and costs and time. And so the ideal thing is not to get yourself in that position if you can avoid that. Um, so you've, you've seen, I know I used to see in court all the time, you've seen a lot of court cases in probate. What are the most common mistakes you see families make that you wish the attorney or maybe a real estate agent would help them avoid? I Probably the single biggest mistake is banks will not lend to people when they have the property in trust, right? So the people, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith deed the property from the Smith Trust to themselves individually. They take out the loan and then guess what? They forget to transfer title back to the trust. Correct. So then they die and, you know, the, uh, the, the heirs are pulling out their hair. Well, we, we had a trust. Well, the property's not in trust. Right. So you got to go through probate or a version thereof, you know, right. that's, that's very typical and unfortunate, but something that, that happens. We talked about that a little bit last week in California, it's called the Hegstead petition, where basically it was a case Hegstead where the family said, hey, we meant to put it in the trust and it never got there. And in that case, they could prove in the trust documents, it was pretty clear that that was their intention and somehow it didn't work out. Um, the, and, and some people say, well, it's no big deal. It's just a petition. Right. But you have to pay the attorney to do it. And that can cost money or do it on your own. And in LA County today, a, a Hexa petition, if you file your first hearing is six months from the hearing date. So on one hand, it might be a little easier. On the other hand, it can, it's going to take some time as well. So you always want to avoid that by, you know, having proper planning. And most commonly that's to keep it in a trust or, or put it back in the trust right away. Um, Great question for, and Paul's a perfect person to answer, Jim, uh, asks, what's the vetting process to qualify for the advance? I'm assuming the heirs need an advance, they have to, they have poor credit. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I've seen both. How they do you usually do. Payment? You, usually they have poor credit? Yeah, they usually do. That's why they come to us. Because okay. they, you know, if they had access to cheaper money, I'm the first one to tell them, you know, they'll say, oh, this is expensive. Yes, it is expensive. Do you have a credit card? Take a cash advance on your credit card. 98% of the time they don't. Right. So, right. Right. but yeah, so, we, we don't look at the credit. That's not part of our criteria. I basically look at the equity in the property and the percentage of airship and do my underwriting based on that. And probably 98% of the time I'm okay. And that's where we as real estate professionals can bring service to Paul in his industry by um, you know, vetting the property, um, providing comp data, maybe driving the property with some pictures, maybe advising who's in there or the condition of the property, the motivation to sell the property. All those go into it because at the end of the day, Paul wants to know they're going to sell and he's going to get paid back, right? They, it, so it becomes someone's money for a legal fee. He's glad to do it, but he wants to get paid back in the appropriate time frame. Can I give you a really good example of a case we just funded like two days ago? Yeah. It's all encompassing. Um, properties in La Puente only owed about $40,000. Okay. 
but it was a notice of sale had been published. So I reinstated yesterday to the bank. They were glad to get their money because they're not going to make anything. You know, a third party buyer would buy it, but the estate would be terribly damaged if it went to sale because they would, they would sell it at a fire sale price. Okay. The poor decedent, she's still in the morgue. So I just sent money to Rose Hill so we can bury this poor woman next week. Wow. And there's a tenant in the property. So the balance of the proceeds from this transaction went to the attorney who's going to start a UD if they don't move out next week. A so, lawful detainer order, which is the eviction process. Right. So it was, this was a very all-encompassing transaction. But, you know, most of them are simple. Yes, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Heir needs money to move out or... You know, they're not working right now. Or I had a woman this afternoon, you know, she was hurt on the job and she hasn't had a paycheck in three weeks. Okay, that's that's typical. But the one I just mentioned is atypical, but within the realm of what we do. Um, uh, Julie asks, um, what if the property isn't a trust? What's the first step to up in the ears before, before it can be listed? So I think, Julie, as a real estate agent, that depends on the case. If it's in a trust, right, if there's somebody who's authorized to act on behalf of the trust, the trustee, um, or the successor trustee, then they can, like any other human being, can do whatever they want to to sell property. They may clean it up. They may stage it. Or they may not want to. So as long as you can identify who is the trust, the issue that you have, um, Julie, is when it's in a trust, but who has the authority is contested. Maybe there's, there is no successor trustee or they've all passed and it, there's nobody identified in the trust who's in charge. And then somebody has to litigate that. Well, who should be in charge? Um, but if the property's in trust, um, generally speaking, 99% of the time, there's a process by somebody who's been authorized to act on behalf of the trust. And then it's just no different than a, you know, a live person versus a trust. So there's really no difference if there's somebody who's identified to act on behalf of the trust. Um, Paul, do you get involved in advances to trust as well? I guess errors, if there's litigation, do you get involved in that? To a lesser extent, but we would. Uh, you know, it depends. Like that one you and I are working on right now, that's right. either going to be a trust or a probate estate. I'm right. covering, you know, from both angles and the, the client, uh, and I discussed it today, and it, it's going to work out well. This, this case, this is this, uh, came to me through a student in our probate cash program, uh, getprobate.cash, and they, they went to another company who turned it down because it might end up being a trust. I said, well, what difference does that make? It either is or it isn't. If the, it's one thing if it's, well, there's another will or there's another error, then you have to be careful about where you advance your money. But if, if the answer is, well, either it's a probate and they're the heir, or it's a trust and they're a beneficiary of the trust, you know, either way you're covered. And, I, and I, to me, it just seemed like common sense. But that's a case where some of these companies are not very service-oriented. And Paul, my experience is, and I've called them, talked to them, and, and we work it out somehow. Is that, to me, that seems like the difference. Thank you. I, I pride myself on working, you know, more difficult cases, thinking outside of the box. And, you know, I, I have close to 40 years experience in real estate, so I can figure out most of these things. Got it. 
So look, I've done most of the talking here. I'm glad to take questions from any of you on the call. You're welcome to put in your contact info for referrals um, and love to have that um, uh, at the same time. Um, but you know, the call here today, the goal of this is to learn and the best way to learn is by asking questions. If there's something that you're not clear on, feel free to jump in, raise your hand, put in the chat box, love to. Um, question from Jim, uh, put a figure on the timeline when you expect to be paid back, is there a certain number of months that you calculate? So on a typical probate, are you typically being called in before they file the probate, or are you typically being called in when it's just filed or when it's been in process for a while? Typically, shortly after the paperwork's been filed with the court, but I will work with people like, like the one we were discussing, the one you and I are working on right now. Mm -hmm. They haven't filed the paperwork just yet. Right. But... Uh, you know, we'll fill in the case number later on. Okay. We'll get it signed now and we'll take care of it. And so um, what's a typical timeline then? It, it, most your business is in LA County, I think by, by percentage, right? Yes. What's the typical per, uh, timeline from when you advance before they get paid back and you get paid back? Well, we get paid back. Uh, basically, the, this, and, and the vast majority of cases they can't distribute funds until the the final petition is approved by the judge. Right. So our the basis of our transactions are that we won't get paid until the end of probate, or the trust property is sold. Essentially, so we're we're predicating this based on the end of business. So, so it, it will typically take twelve to eighteen months. If it happens in less time, great. But, but we cover that. Right. So typically it's not when the property sells, you're getting paid. The property sells, but the proceeds go into the to the estate. The estate distributes legal fees, filing fees, taxes, creditors, and then any uh, and then to you guys, and any crumbs go to the to the beneficiaries at the end. But you're not getting paid until the final distribution of the probate, which is twelve to eighteen months, you're saying on average. Yes, sir. In some cases longer. In some cases I've seen some cases years. That's not what you want, but some huh. cases years, right? Yes, sir. That's where the risk comes in. That's where cost comes in. Um, Julie asked a question. Uh, um, are you called in for cases that are in uh, that are? I think the word used is intestate, which would mean without a will. I don't think Paul. It matters to you if they have a will or not. It's the story and the situation that you underwrite. If they don't have a will, how do you underwrite uh, or decide whether or not there's a reasonable? Um, you have the right people. The the law dictates the distribution of the estate and intestate matters. Bill knows this, but just for the for the audience, uh, someone dies. The spouse typically gets a third, and the children get two thirds. So, you know, we can do the the calculation based on the anticipated inheritance. You know, allowing for distribution to other people too. And do you make advances of this type outside of California? Yes, we do. Uh, most of my out-of-state business would be Nevada and Oregon, but uh, we have done probably in a good dozen states. So if anybody I, has any questions on that, again, feel free to call. I would imagine that's just because your referral network is primarily California and then occasionally a Californian has something in Nevada or Oregon, or they move 
to Nevada or again from California and they're an attorney that works with you or a realtor works with you. So that's, that's more function of your networking. It's not that this doesn't apply nationwide. You've done it. How many states would you guess you've done business in total in your career? Probably 15. And again, that's your network. That doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't do it in the other 35. It's just, um, that's where you right. met people. It, it depends. You know, the first time I was introduced to Florida several years ago, these were tobacco litigation settlements. These people, you know, like RJ Reynolds and promised to pay like $400,000 to widows or children of deceased people, you know, and they needed money sooner than RJ Reynolds was going to pay it out. So we, we set up this, the attorney called us and we set it up and took care of business. Yeah. So, so is Permanent Advance the vast majority of your business, a piece of it? Because I know many advanced companies, to them, it's more like a factoring business where they just look at individual cases that come to them. Do you also work with um, settlements and um, you know, structured settlements and such? If it goes through probate, yes. But uh, if, if it's a structured settlement, you know, there's the J.G. Wentworth of the world that that's their uh, that's their strength so i i defer to them okay but uh if the settlement has to go through a probate then yeah then then we're in business yes got it good um and i think one of the one of the cases that or i should say one of the benefits of working with you for me has been there are cases where you help me figure out who the right attorney would be to get for the particular customer. I mean, I'd have a customer approach me without an attorney. And the question is, well, who's the right attorney for this particular case? You're pretty well networked with attorneys in particular in Southern California. Oh, yes. And, and even Northern California. I had a customer came in the office two days ago. She was having trouble up in Sacramento where her father's estate is. And I was able to make a referral to her and she signed up right away. I mean, it was a good, it was a attorney love at first sight. Nice, nice. Okay, uh, so again, call for any questions. You can raise your hand in the with the YouTube uh, chat if you want, or you can put a question in the chat box. I think we've caught up to most of them. Love to be participative, but here's an actual expert in this field. I think that's the benefit. Uh, uh, you know, I can talk about it from my perspective and experience, but this is somebody who, literally, before we called today, he was funding. Uh, advance I'm working on, and he does this all day long. This is this is what he does. So you're talking to an expert in the field and has been in it for quite a while and seen a lot. So any last questions for Paul before we wrap up with him and let him go? Because I know he's got business to work on, including mine, so I don't want to hold him up too much. No, I'm <laughs> happy just... to be here and happy to answer questions for any of your viewers. Can you discuss, uh, exp ex can you discuss some of your expenses? So um, that need to be occurred. So Jim, are you asking a question that he incurs as far as his business? I assume you're saying to a customer when they take these advances by the PR. So a PR comes to you and says, I need some money. I want to borrow $10,000. What's it going to cost them uh, in a common case? Are you able to disclose that? I know there's, I've dealt with you and there's varying cases, but is there a most common case or standard quote you, that you offer? Okay. Uh I don't mind discussing it and, and it sounds expensive, but yes, you know, it's relative. Again, the case of what I was working on today, or, you know, we reinstated the loan out of foreclosure. How, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars could they have lost had the property gone to a third party? 
exactly. you know, at the foreclosure sale, lots of money. Okay. We give somebody 10,000 uh, typical payback in six months, it's going to be 14,500. Okay. That's expensive. I, I understand. But if you need to get someone out of the property, somebody's not working, uh, we had to bury somebody, like I said, you know, part of the money went for that. Right. You, you know, what's the cost of that? I tell people, I said, yes, it's expensive, but is your peace of mind worth X? Sure it is. And that's, that's the best argument I can make for this. You know, if, if you're not able to sleep at night because you have things worrying you, then take care of those. If you want to go on a, you know, go to Disney World, Disney World will be there next year after the case closes. Don't, don't, unless you really need a mental break and you need to get out of town, don't borrow money for that reason. Yeah, I think it's well said that, that when I bring somebody to Paul's company or any, any of those kind of companies, it's because they're going to spend $15,000. They're only going to get 10000 but the 10000 is going to save them fifty dollars or $100,000 by avoiding foreclosure, by getting an attorney to get the asset disposed of, by avoiding litigation uh, down the road. Uh, sometimes you know, getting the right attorney uh, will help them get the probate done and avoid probate litigation that can be um, a, a real issue. So. Uh, for those who asked, I put his contact information in the chat box. Um, <laughs> Julie asks, uh, have you ever considered assisting divorce cases where one spouse is having to carry the mortgage in addition to the rental and they've moved until the marriage home is sold? So I will say, Julie, that in a case of divorce, they're hard money lenders. And I've, I've done it as a lender and I have friends who do these loans where you're buying out a partner and that's just a hard money loan. Um, so that that's different. Where Paul's involved is where there's a defect in the title, and the person who's making the decision does not have yet authority uh, to um, to make the decision, or they have authority, but it's going to take a court process to pay the money off, and that could take 12 months or more. So I would say in general, in divorce case, you're probably talking about a hard money lender. I've done those, and so if you have one, uh, please feel free to reach out to me on that. But Paul, do you, you don't advance on divorce cases, do you? No, we don't have a lending license, so I can't make real estate loans per right. se. Right. You know, so but our you know our business is centered on probates and trusts, so right. Right. that's where I concentrate. I do right. have you know associates like you do who handle you know hard money. So in those cases where I can't, I, I have resources that I can refer people to. Great. We have a number of people on this call from Florida. I've interviewed a bunch of Florida attorneys. Do you do, you're open to doing probate advances in, in Florida? Yes. Fantastic. Sunshine State. Great. Um, okay. I think we caught up with all the questions finally. And we got a thumbs up for Florida. Look, I used to live in Florida. Florida I, I like to move to Florida. My wife doesn't. So uh, either I need to be that divorce case that, uh, uh, who was I was asking, Julie asked about, or I'm going to have to wait till my wife, I change her mind by buying enough jewelry or something. I don't know. But hope to move there and then I can do some business with you there in Florida, hopefully. Um, uh, Jim asked, do you evaluate how the money is spent or you just give it out freely? Well, I think he answered that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, that's one of, the, one of the complaints about this business is you usually give money to people who are meth heads and they're going to end up uh, drug overdosing. 
Um, how do you answer that if an attorney was to challenge you on that? Uh, I've never been challenged because I asked that question. I was trained and came into the uh, financial services industry as a banker. My first job was with Bank of America. So I still think like a banker. And you always ask those questions. And I know that, you know, yes, unfortunately, there are a percentage of, of clients who have substance abuse problems. But as a human being, I do care. And I don't want them to, you know, uh, throw their inheritance away unnecessarily. So, right. you know, I, I, this isn't just a business. I, you know, it, this is a, this is a career for me. This is a, a calling almost. And you know, I'm we're here to help people, and I will right. turn people down if, if I think it's a frivolous, or nonsensical reason that they're looking for money. Right. And in many cases, I know you'll wire money for attorney's fees directly to the attorney so it doesn't get misspent or lost in the shuffle. Um, and, and there are people who I've done with, I'm, I, I work with several firms uh, with you quite a bit. Um, so I can't remember specifically which one, but I've had c customers who were meth heads who had a large inheritance, who had a, a, a meth head brother who was trying to cheat them. And we wanted to hire an attorney to protect our client. So we just sent the money directly to the attorney and the attorney made sure that they got the inheritance. I can't watch her the rest of her life, but at least I can make sure she doesn't misspend the legal fees and lose the inheritance. At least we'll get her the inheritance and what she does from there at some point. And, and I like to think I motivate people. I like to think I help people. So, um, okay. And then uh, Julie asked, am I moving to Georgia or Florida? I'm looking to move to Florida. Love Georgia. Big fan. I have a team member in Georgia. We were in probate business in Atlanta and Athens, Georgia. But um, no, I'm not moving to Georgia. It's nice, just not for me. I like Florida. I like the sunshine and the ocean and all that. So, but thank you. Um, okay, I think we're going to wrap up here. So, uh, Paul, I have put your contact info in, in the uh, box. Um, but I just want to, on a personal level, just thank you so much for, I think, the professionalism you bring to this business and the heart that you bring to it. And I know you inspired me when I met you and the way that you conduct business. And I hope to meet those standards or raise those standards as well. And so thank you for your the, the business you've done for me. Thank you for the time you spent today educating people. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Bill, for having me on here. And again, to any of your listeners or other clients of yours, uh, feel free to call at any time you have questions. After the last uh, podcast I was on, I had several of your, your uh, listeners call me and uh, you know had some really good interesting cases to discuss and uh, helped a few of them get some deals done too so it's it's always nice fantastic i appreciate that and look even though I, I, some of you do it and outlist your property that's fine I'm, my job is to help people at the end of the day my business has been great and so i i, I you know really feel very comfortable um uh saying uh Go directly to Paul. If you want me to help you, you're welcome to call me and I'm willing to help too. But Paul's a great resource and uh, just, just a pleasure to work with. So again, thank you for your time. And for everybody else thank on the call, uh, thank you. For everybody else on the call, this is Probate Weekly. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Um, we also, and seven, uh, Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. We also live stream it uh, onto YouTube and Facebook. You can see it at YouTube at uh, episodes.probateweekly.com if you missed it. Uh, or like or subscribe if you want to. And if you want to come on uh, live, we'd love to have you at probateweekly.com. You can register, come to the Zoom call, 
and participate. We love to have you participate. We do this every week and generally interview probate attorneys, probate vendors, uh, top producers in the industry, so we can work together to make more income and build more wealth for ourselves and for our clients. So the next step is, please come back next week. We look forward to seeing you again. If I can help you in the meantime, I'm Bill Gross. Thank you so much. And as always, make this your best week ever. Thanks so much, everybody. And...